I wonder if in our, in our own lives we can think of situations like that where we come in with an expectation. We see something, we want something, we build up to something, and yet the reality of it seems to fall short, seems to fail. As the video showed, watching someone else do it isn't a surefire formula to being able to execute it yourself. Uh, as I said, cakes is one of those areas that I uh, tried and failed. I did bake bread this week, and it tasted like bread. So my baking world isn't falling completely apart. What is completely falling apart is my DIY skill. DIY is one of those things where I have an expectation, and the reality looks very different. So we have a wonderful hole in our wall because uh, we had a bookshelf, and the bookshelf comes with safety hooks at the top. So I thought it was safe to put the hooks on the wall. Sadly, as I drilled into the wall, a huge chunk of wall came away. So if you ever go into our house, if you want to, if you look behind where the broadband router is, there is a huge bit of, hole, uh, a huge bit of wall missing uh, where I managed to chip off somehow this part of wall. It could be hanging a shelf, organizing flowers, changing the light shade, rewiring plugs, making the sofa so my house looks like something from Ikea. So often I have this plan, this idea of what it will look like. Probably the most common shortfalling is that the batteries died on my drill. That tends to be kind of nine out of ten occasions that I try and do DOI. The wall needs different screws. I found out about raw plugs this last year. That was a revelation to my DIY world, just to give you some idea of where I'm at. Uh, the shelves are often wonky in our house. You'll be very cautious if you ever want to give me something that might need to go on a shelf. And the other one that I found, which uh, Laura doesn't know about because I washed them, is I often, when I change light bulbs, haven't considered where I've just been with my footwear. So I then change the light bulb successfully. That's a good one for me. But I often leave huge footprints on the sofa from the garden or wherever I've been with mud. So DIY and me is one of those expectation versus reality things. Fortunately, my father is incredibly good at DIY. And I blame him for my lack of DIY because he did it all. So uh, somehow I've managed to make it someone else's fault in that for sure. But life does that. Life gives us expectation. And then somehow reality seems to hit home. I wonder what it is for you. Where is it that you build expectation? Where is it that you hold these hopes and these dreams and these ambitions and somehow as life plays out, it turns out different? The reality of life doesn't meet the expectations that we manage to build in our heads. This amazing passage that Jane read for us this evening gives us two of these situations where I believe there is expectation and reality. An expectation is built and the reality looks very different. And I'd like to think that God knew what he was doing in both. In fact, I believe he uses the second one to emphasize the first. I like to consider the first part of this story, but I'm doing the right thing, so why is this happening? I don't know how many of you would be able to register that in your own lives. I'm doing the right thing. The expectation is there. The execution is the right thing, but the reality is different. Why is the outcome the outcome? And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. 
I'm guessing Elijah had an expectation, a prophet of the Lord. I think that comes with a level of expectation that I'm going to be delivering some stuff for God and God's going to come through. In his head, I'm sure he had this image of himself stood before the people with the word of the Lord on his heart to share. This people were a broken people group. They were, there was no hope. They were lost. There was sorrow in their spirits. Stood before them was this prophet of the Lord and he proclaimed the word of the Lord and one by one, slowly, this sorrow seeped out of their spirit. Slowly but surely, they came to the revelation that they needed God in their lives. Slowly but surely, this people turned from their ways back to the Lord and stood before them. Elijah, with this expectation in his head, had it. I'm sure he had a plan in place that within weeks there would be small groups that have coffee mornings. They're about to produce their first newsletter. He had an expectation for being a prophet of the Lord. At no stage would Elijah have set out to fail. At no stage was his expectation to fail, let alone to be chased with the purpose of killing him. I do not believe for a minute the expectation that he placed was death. We're back to that idea, expectation versus reality. Elijah's reality was this, that the people were not pleased at all to have someone speak into their lives. The people were not impressed with a collection of prophets telling them all these things. In fact, they were so unimpressed that they hunted them down and killed them. And next on their list was our friend, who's running for his actual life. A very real expectation was that they wanted to kill him. That became his reality. So I want us to consider how, when, have you set something in your heart, in your mind, that you want to see an outcome to? Is there something that you have that you want to see an outcome to? You put together this plan, this expectation of what it's going to be. You see it playing out in your head because you care, because you're invested. It may be that we begin to pray. A crucial first point for us. So we see this expectation. We begin to pray. We feel challenged and called, so we organize the event. We're confident it's what God's calling us to. Maybe it's an individual, so you set up a coffee date with them so that you can spend that time. Maybe something spoke to you in a book, so you've decided, you know what, this person would really benefit from this book, so I'm going to give it to them. We don't do those things with the expectation of failure. We do them with the expectation that something will come from it, something that maybe in our heads we've pictured will be the result of it. I won't ask you to put up your hands, but I'm sure many of you can relate to this. The prayers don't get answered. No one turns up to the event. Coffee becomes a disaster and the person storms off. And the next time you pop around to that person's house, you notice the book is on the shelf in the very gift wrap you gave it to them in. Sometimes the reality does not match the expectation. The best laid plans, the most godly of ambitions. They can be good, right, 
honest, and glorious to God. Yet the reality of the outcome can look anything but that. So we have a question to ask. Can I stand here? Can you sit there and believe that Elijah failed? Should we draw that conclusion that he failed, he's being chased? Was it his fault? Had he done something wrong? Did I do something wrong when the expectations I had weren't met? Did I pray the wrong prayer? Were the words I used not right? Was I misguided with the event? Should I have not bought the book? The questions that we can ask, the excuses, the reasons that we try and create as to why expectation doesn't meet reality. The question I want us to consider is, is it our fault? Is it our fault when expectation and reality don't meet up? Was it Elijah's fault? I hope, I really hope you conclude the same as I do, that that is a resounding no. Don't get me wrong, the lies in your head will tell you it's your fault. The lies in your head will tell you to give up praying, to put that person away, not to worry about them, to give up with the idea of reaching to your community. The lies will tell you it's your fault. There are times when we mess up. There's times when we're responsible. The enemy will have us believe every single time something doesn't go to plan. It's our fault. But we see with Elijah... God is not held by our expectations. God isn't held by our expectations. God isn't on our time scale. In fact, God doesn't even have a results chart the same way that we might. So our expectations and God's aren't always the same, which means we can conclude that it's not always our fault when things don't turn out as we expected. We, as God's people, are not called to reach a standard. We're called to be faithful. Elijah had an idea, an expectation of what the results would be of what he did. But he was never called to be successful. He was called to be faithful. We aren't called to run the best events the whole world has ever seen. We're called to run events. We're not called to pray the most eloquent prayers in public that the world has ever heard. We're called to be faithful and pray in earnestness. So here we have Elijah. He's come to God with his problem. He's come with his expectation versus reality issue. Expectation, the people will turn from their ways. Reality, they're trying to kill him. I think that's a fairly good contrasting example. That is the ultimate, trying to do something on a pole and crashing with the floor at a worryingly rapid rate. The reality is different. And I believe God uses that, that very real situation that he finds himself in, to highlight something of God's own character. In the second experience that Elijah has on this mountain. Verse 11 we read, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you by. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass you by. Expectation, the entirety of a people group will turn from their ways. Reality, a personal, intimate meeting with God in the midst of failure. One unbelievable outcome to a failed expectation. 
And even then, God is doing something. God spoke to Elijah and said, stand on the mountain. First things first, Elijah is here in the physical place that he is because he has run away from people trying to kill him. The last thing he really wants to do is be a beacon of light stood on top of a mountain for everyone in the vicinity to see him. God is calling him out. These people want to kill him. He is hiding in a cave. Too often, when our expectations and our realities differ, we recoil. We hide away. We lick our wounds. We feel sorry for ourselves. Here we have Elijah doing exactly that. And the first thing God does is calls him back out into the game. The first thing God does is says, you know what? Your expectations weren't met, but instead what I'm going to do is I'm going to meet with you personally and intimately. I'm going to pass you by. But the way you're going to see it is to get back out in the game, is to expose yourself again, is to trust in me again. A personal example for you, I'm sure some of you can relate. I've told this example before, is the frequency at which I will say to someone, I'll pray for you. And I do, but very rarely with them. Because I like the comfort of recoiling and saying to God, I really hope, God, that you can do something about this. But if you don't, at least the person hasn't heard what I've said. At least I've not failed, God. And we do that, don't we? Instead of saying, you know what, right here, right now, let's pray about that. We do that wonderful Christian thing where we say, you know what, I'll I'll consider you in my prayers. Why? Because we are now fearful that the expectation of a miraculous God is hit with a reality that it doesn't always work out like we want. So we recoil. Is God calling you to stand up, to step up, and to be visible again? How many of us have started to shy away from that public step of being able to be seen? That public place of being a Jesus follower and not worrying about who sees it. Maybe within your family, within your friendships, you're the voice that God wants to use, but something in you is damaged, is hurt by the experiences you've had. Elijah steps up, stood on this mountain in full view, ready for God to come. I like to imagine what is happening in these moments. We read these stories sometimes forgetting that they're real people. What is going through Elijah's mind right in this moment? He's run. He's done like 40 days and 40 nights of running. The guy is tired. And he's in a cave. He has this experience. He explains what's going on. His expectations do not meet the reality he's living. And then this word comes to him, you know what? Stand outside. I'm going to pass you by. The Lord is going to pass you by. What is in his head? What is his expectation? What would your expectation be when you step out knowing that God's going to be present, that God's going to come past? And I believe in this next collection of verses, God highlights why expectation versus reality is a huge problem for us. A huge problem for us, and one that will always leave us falling short. Expectation one 
is that God is big and powerful. Please be aware I'm not saying that any of these things aren't necessarily godly. But I think we can conclude that Elijah would have in his head this idea that God is big and powerful. Verse 11, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. There's that song that we sing, our God is a great big God. We have this imagery of this big, powerful God. He's strong. He can come in power and influence. He can break chains of oppression. He can storm in. This powerful wind that shatters the rock. Surely, surely that is where God is at. For someone who's being chased by a group of people that want to kill him, I imagine this is a very comforting God in that moment. And yet, we read again in verse 11 the reality. But the Lord was not in the wind. Was that Elijah's expectation of, the, of God? Expectation two, God is strong and terrifying. Again, I'm not saying God doesn't have these characteristics, but in this moment, can we begin to imagine Elijah is expecting a strong and terrifying God? Verse 12, and the wind, after the wind, sorry, there was an earthquake. God is to be feared. He is a force not to play with. Again, being chased when we're feeling vulnerable, when we see those people at our doors, this is a good God to have on your side. The expectation that he would come in this powerful earthquake. The reality? But the Lord was not in the earthquake. I wonder if this point, Elijah's begun to wonder if the reality is going to look nothing like his expectation, if maybe God isn't coming at all. But there's a third time. Expectation three. God is fierce and angry. After the earthquake came a fire. God must work through fire, right? Like, that's a biblical thing. Fire seems to have a fairly consistent running in the Bible. So we've got this fierce fire. Can you imagine? This guy is hiding from his enemies and now the top of the mountain has a flame going around it. This is an incredibly powerful God. That angry flame that licks and causes destruction. Is this the God who's come to protect him, to reveal himself to him? The reality? But the Lord was not in the fire. Something I've come to realize as I've done life, I'm sure many of you are ahead of me on this, and as I've spent time looking this, this little exchange between God and Elijah, if God is anything, if God is anything, then he needs to be to us the God of the unexpected. If he is anything, we need to start realizing that he is the God of the unexpected. He is a God who defies human logic. If I was being chased, I would want one of these three godly characteristics to be the one that I meet with. Knowing that I'm on his side, I'm okay with them. But he is a God who is not held by our standards or by our solutions. Our expectations will very rarely meet up with his reality. Those expectations might not be right, but the reality is very much real. 
what we can conclude is Elijah's only expectation should have been that the Lord God would pass him by. That's the truth of what he's been told. That's the truth of what he's heard. Expectation four, God will pass by. In verse 12, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. After the earthquake, after the fire, after the wind, we read this. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God, as big and as powerful, as fierce and as strong as he can be, is a personal God. He's an intimate God. God is not held by our expectations. He's not held by our demands. Much as life doesn't always work out as we planned it to, God isn't always going to play the game for us the way we want him to. God is God. And the reality is that whilst many will look for the big signs, many will want those headline statements, But this is the reality. I want you to hear this. God will come as needed. God will come as needed. And he will come close enough to whisper the response. That's the expectation I want of God. Big, powerful, fierce. All of those things. All of those wonderful things. But the reality is that he is intimate. And when he responds, he will respond close enough to whisper it directly into your life. That's the reality of God. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. When Elijah heard the whisper, that was the moment that he was confident enough to expose himself. That was the moment that he knew God was for him. So I'm all part of this generation that loves the loud noises, the big showcases that events can cause. But as I've spent time in this passage, I want to be called to stand by the gentle whisper. I want to be called into action by the gentle whisper of an intimate God, of a personal God. In my life, I'm sure in your lives, in the way the world is right now, as Chris was praying in everything that's going on, you know what? I think more than ever we need a God who gets close enough to whisper. We need to have an expectation of a God who's intimate. I want to hear the gentle, close whisper of the Lord calling me to stand. That's what I want for my life. I pray it's what you want for your lives. As we move into this final little section, it's gonna, I want you just to wrestle with the questions that I'm going to pose. I want you to consider them for yourselves. You're welcome just to have taken this as a lovely message about God doing some stuff on top of a mountain, or maybe it's God being close enough to whisper. I don't know what you have been damaged by. I don't know what it is that damaged you. I don't know what expectation of yours has been shattered. 
I don't know how bad the backlash was that you faced or how difficult the situation became. I don't know how disappointed you were. I don't know how bad it hurt. But I do know that God is the God of the gentle whisper. And I believe that whilst he is very capable of bringing the big signs, he is more than capable of doing the big wonders, he knows, God knows that sometimes what we need is the close whisper to comfort and rebuild us, to help us stand up, to stand in the mouth of the cave and be ready to go again. What is it, where is it for you that the reality shattered the expectation and has left you recoiled? Left you taking that step back? Left you feeling daunted? Because we serve a God and we love a God we were redeemed by a God who cares so much that he's not all about big signs and wonders. He's about coming right up close and whispering into your personal situation and bringing about personal change, releasing you and calling you to stand up. Expectation versus reality. No matter your disappointment, I promise you this. Your expectation of God, your personal expectation of God will always, will always in reality fall wildly short of the wonder of who he is. However big you can expect him to be, he's bigger. However good you expect him to be, he's better. This is the God we serve. This is a God who is not held by expectations, be them high or low. He is bigger than them. And the wonder, the wonder of this whole thing is that in the midst of the greatness comes the intimacy to be close enough to whisper. What is it that hurts you at the moment? What is it that breaks you currently in the everyday life you lead? Let God come close enough to you to whisper into that situation. In a moment, we're going to stand to sing our final song, Be Still for the Presence of the Lord. Last week, those of you that were here will know, I spoke on this idea of Jesus being enough. Of Jesus being enough. The answer, obviously, because we're in churches, yeah, of course he is. But we saw last week, the reality is, we don't always live like that's the truth. So I want to challenge you this evening. As we respond, as we sing this song, if you know somewhere in your life something is still holding you back, is still leaving you in that cave. As we sing this last song, just open your hands. I don't know how it works. I don't, I've given up trying to have an expectation of what God will do. What I do know is that physical response will see God come closer and whisper in. So if you are struggling with something, if there is something you know holds you back, if there's a hurt within you that you've still got eating away, let's believe last week's message in practice. Jesus is enough. So as we sing, just open your hands. Just say, God, please, come close enough to whisper.